What is the difference between somebody who changes and somebody who always seems to stay the same? What's the difference between somebody who actually changes and somebody who seems to always stay the same? Think about when you go to a family reunion. You have somebody like, uh, you know, like Uncle Earl. And Uncle Earl, man, he's just the same as he ever was, every single year. He's been rocking a mustache since the 1970s. He's, got, he's been rocking a mustache longer than hipsters have been drinking coffee. You come up to Uncle Earl, and you're like, hey, Uncle Earl, how's it going? Oh, well, you know. I don't. That's why, that's why I was asking. Oh, well, same as it ever was. Same old, same old. And you have the conversation with Uncle Earl. It's going to be the same as it was four years ago. Now compare that to your Aunt Judy. Every time you come to Aunt Judy, Aunt Judy is full of life, and she's full of joy, and she's excited, and she's ready to engage. And, and she says, uh, oh, I just want to tell you about what's been going on in my life. Oh, let me tell you about this trip that I just had. It was so fun. And you love talking with Aunt Judy because her life is so interesting, and she's changing, and new things are happening with her. In fact, you want, to get the, you want to get the card table at the corner of the room and sit down with Aunt Judy so you don't get caught talking to Uncle Earl during the family reunion. So what is... What's the difference between somebody who changes and somebody who seems to always stay the same? Well, you might be asking, well, spiritually speaking, why is that a problem? Well, because we serve the unchanging God of change. And so to grow is to change. And healthy things grow. And in a year of growth, in a year of getting rooted, the Lord is inviting us to all lean in to change. So in Isaiah 43, 19, it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Honestly, for a lot of us, no, we don't. For all kinds of reasons. Because life has a lot going on. This trip, that soccer game, because there's a lot on our minds, that grocery list, this family tension. And quite frankly, some of us don't perceive the new thing that Jesus wants to do because we kind of don't want to. And what breaks our heart here at Valley Creek is people that don't experience new because they won't embrace the change. I've been here for about 12 and a half years. I've been on staff for seven of those, and I've gotten to see a lot. I've gotten to see amazing things. I've gotten to see people completely healed of addiction, both overnight and over time. I've seen uh, marriages that were reconciled. As I'm talking to you, I can think of three relationships where they're completely divorced and they're back together now, reconciled through Jesus. I've seen people that had stage four cancers fully healed, blind eyes that were given back sight. I've seen leaders who were shaking in their boots because they had to pray, because they had to teach something, because it was, they were stepping into a new season, and they got filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit, and the words that they spoke were powerful, and people were touched, and they were amazed by what God was doing. I've seen a whole lot of people who um, have had these seasons where they've been waiting on breakthrough to come, and breakthrough hasn't yet come, and so they're still waiting, and they're believing in the confident expectation of that, the, the goodness of God, in spite of the fact that the breakthrough hasn't happened. And honestly, that's probably one of the most beautiful things I've seen, is people that can wait with hope and patience in the midst of their suffering or their pain. I've seen so much here. And then I've seen a whole lot of people who are just stuck. I've seen a whole lot of people who just don't move forward on their journey with Jesus. I've seen other people that have been here for three weeks, and God's moving, and they're changing. So for the past six weeks, you guys, the Flourish in Life series and baptisms and, and everything God's been doing, man, Jesus is on the move. Yeah. And if you, if you, I would just encourage you, lean into that and say, okay, I, I believe that. I can feel that there's a presence of God and there's something going on that's just amazing. Jesus is on the move. There's been an open heaven for the Valley Creek family. We learned what it means to flourish in life, the deepest, richest soils we could ever sink our roots into. So if you weren't here, let me just recap where we were. If you were here, let me just remind you of what God spoke to us. 
In week one, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a choice that God has already made. In Jesus, we are completely forgiven and fully free. Come on, somebody. What is righteousness? When you're in Christ, you are as righteous as Jesus is. Yes. What is favor? God's favor means that God is always supernaturally working on your behalf. God is both with you and God is for you. What is love? Well, God is love. And the one that knows you the best is the one who loves you the most. Wow. Flourishing life has given us so much. So what do you do when you've heard an amazing message or a series? Another way to say it, what do you do with what Jesus has said? What do you do when you read a great passage of scripture and you're trying to get it figured out? What do you do if you feel like the Lord is speaking something to you? What do you do with what Jesus has said? Because I want to have a conversation about the difference between those that actually experience life change and those who don't. And I'll give you a clue. It's not the smartest and it's not the most religious people. It's the ones that reach out take hold of what Jesus has said, and then actually apply it into their life. I was talking to my friend Michael in the atrium the other day. He said, you can want something all you want, but here's the thing, you have to actually act upon it. That's true. In Matthew 7, Jesus has just finished telling the Sermon on the Mount. It was a groundbreaking sermon. So for three chapters, they basically had a flourishing life series, this amazing series in which Jesus has spoken about the kingdom of God and the things of the kingdom. Um, And so he pauses and he tells them one last thing. Here's what he prepares them for. He says, if you want to actually experience change, you have to act on what I just spoke. Matthew 7, verse 24. Here it goes. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus says, you've heard me tell you the reasons. You've heard me tell you the why. Now, what are you going to do about it? And I'm betting that there were two different kinds of people that were there during the Sermon on the Mount. I'm betting that there was a crowd, and the crowd's a little bit like, you know, Uncle Earl, same as they ever was. And they said, hey, that was a really good sermon, Jesus. Good job. We really like that message. And then I'm betting you there was disciples who were there, a little bit like Aunt Judy, like they were willing to actually follow Jesus, willing to actually do something about what he had spoken. Because they knew that transformation should follow revelation, and growth should follow an aha moment, and change should follow a reason to change. If not, what Jesus is saying, you'll live an unstable, not solid life. And Jesus invites us to solid, not sandy. He invites us to stable, rooted life. A few weeks ago, uh, my youngest and I were walking in the park behind our house. And it was a windy day. and it was a, it was a, it was a nice day, but it's really windy. And we heard this kind of sound. It was like Paul Bunyan is like doing landscaping in somebody's backyard. And, and I was thinking like, is my, is my neighbor doing landscaping? But then I realized it was like an entire tree fell. So I went and I looked in my neighbor's yard and his 150 year old oak tree had completely fallen over at the base right into the middle of his yard. So it was a windy day. 
and uh, one half of the tree had roots that were exposed because of the creek bed that went by. And so the sandy soil had eroded away. Tree just fell all the way down. And so my daughter, you know, we were walking around. So we were like, well, we got to go tell him. So we walked up to uh, his front door. And uh, as we were walking up there, I was thinking, like, what am I going to say to this guy? So uh, like, hey, hey, Jim. So listen, I, I want to just let you know, I think a tree in your backyard fell. You're going to look through the, you know, look through your back window there. You can see the leaves are tipped over. And then I finished my entire conversation with, I'm sorry about your tree. <laughs> now, I didn't know what else to say. And I feel like those weren't the most helpful words for this guy losing, like, his best shade tree in his yard. I'm sorry about your tree. And if I'm really honest with you, that is a conversation I feel like I have a lot with people. I'm sorry about your tree. I'm sorry about your marriage that tipped over. Sorry about that relationship. I'm sorry about your broken thinking. Sorry about your life looking like this. I'm sorry about your tree. And you guys, I believe that Jesus offers us another way. There has to be more than just people's trees tipping over, than their houses falling down. And I'm not saying that you're not going to have storms. I'm not saying that the winds aren't going to howl. I'm not saying the rain won't beat against the house. I am saying your tree doesn't have to fall. Your life can be rooted. It can be built up. It can be established in Jesus Solid, not sandy, firm, not unstable. So how do we live on solid ground? Essentially, what do you do after a good series? What do you do after a message? Well, that's the question we want to answer because what you do with what God has said yesterday determines what you will experience tomorrow. So here's five simple steps. Five simple steps on what to do after a great message. These are five ways to respond to what Jesus has said. And here's the first one. Listen to it. Just listen to it. And come on, let's be honest. Sometimes when we're here and we're listening to messages and we know it as, as people on the platform, like it's hard not to turn into, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, like wah, 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 wah. And so uh, at any given time you hear, it's you're so easily distracted, like I wonder why the person wore that. I wonder why they went to the bathroom twice in 30 minutes. I wonder what time the Cowboys will lose today. Like you got all these things that are, <laughs> yeah, that's right, I, I said it. I said it out loud. You get all these things that are going through your mind, and so you have to lean in and listen because you have to actually be here in order to hear. And But more than that, you can't just hear it with your ears. you got to listen with your heart. you got to lean in and listen to what the Lord is speaking. Every parent of a toddler knows there's a difference between hearing something and listening to it. And so lean in and listen. So can you imagine the people on the Sermon on the Mount had only just heard the words of Jesus but not listened to it? Hey, man, what's Jesus saying over there? Uh, I don't know, something about asking, seeking, knock on doors. Uh, he said, I caught the part about don't judge me. You're not allowed to judge me anymore. Uh, and then uh, something about a narrow gate leads to a wide life. I'm not, maybe that guy's gate over there that we're supposed to walk through. I'm not even sure I wasn't listening. Listen, that would be crazy because there was so much more to that moment. Jesus' words and the passion he spoke with and the move of the Spirit, leaning in and listening to it. Here's an important question for all of us. What if everything on your schedule in your life was on the table except for meeting with the family of God and listening to the words the Father wants to speak to us? What if everything else is on the table except for everything on your schedule was, was available to be cut except for meeting with the family? of God and listening to the words the Father had for us. I'll put it another way. John 6, 63, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. 
If every word that Jesus has is spirit and it gives us life, then you need to be here to hear the words to receive the spirit and the life that he wants to give and lean in and listen to the words he speaks. So if you missed any of the Flourish in Life series, man, it was a big one. And so I encourage you, go back, listen to it. It's all online at valcreek.org. It's not quite as good as physically being here, but it's good to catch up with where the Lord is leading our church family. And you can make a choice really starting now that there is nothing and no one and nothing on my schedule more important than meeting with the family that Jesus died to save and listening to the words that the Father wants to speak to his children. You can lean in and you can listen. So after each of these five points, after each of these five simple steps, I'm going to give you a question. And if you're able to respond in faith, I want you to say yes to the question I'm going to ask, okay? That's what we're doing. Respond in faith. You say yes. So church, Jesus has so much more. He wants to say to us, are you ready to listen? All right. Here's number two. Come hungry. I'm not just talking about donuts in the cafe. Come hungry. In John 6, it says, for my body is real food for your spirit. So every single week, we are laying out a banquet, and the feast is Jesus. The feast is the body. He is the bread of life. He fills us up when we feel like we need nourishment. Every single weekend we get together is a chance to feast on Jesus. There's only one problem. If you don't think you're starving, you won't come hungry. And if you don't think that you ever feel spiritually thirsty, you won't long for living water. And if you don't think that you're not sick, you won't need a doctor. And so even if that's in your spirit, if you're like, yeah, sometimes I just, I I can barely make in the door. I'm not really that excited about it. Here's what I encourage you to do. Say a pre-prayer before you come. We'll call it a pavement prayer. Here's what a pavement prayer is. When I walk out to my car, my feet hit the pavement. I say, Jesus, I'm excited to meet with you today. I believe you have something for me. I believe you have good food to nourish my hungry soul. And I want what you're offering. I want what you have to give me. I need to be filled up with you. And then when, you, when you're driving in the car, you're doing a great job not fighting with your wife and your kids on the way to church, you come and you put your feet on the pavement as you walk into the building. Jesus, I'm hungry to meet with you. I'm excited for what you have for me. I'd encourage you, come as hungry as you would to meet with God as you'd go to a busy restaurant on, on, on Friday night. Get as excited to be here as you would getting in line at your favorite restaurant. Have you ever been to like Heart 8 Barbecue? Did you ever go to that in Dallas? You ever heard of Heart 8 Barbecue? That's the craziest thing. People will stand like half a mile outside of that place waiting to get barbecue. I'm convinced because they stand in line so long, they're actually hungrier and they're willing to pay more for the brisket because they waited so long that their appetite developed. They were excited to have the brisket. But listen, church, Jesus is better than barbecue. So come hungry. Each and every weekend, come ready and expecting for the feast that is the body of Jesus, to meet with him and to receive from him. So here's the second question. Church, Jesus wants us to feast on him. Will you come hungry? All right. I believe it by faith. Number three, five simple steps. Number three, talk with somebody about it. You ever notice how easy it is to talk about a news story or about politics or about something going on? It's so much easier to talk about that than sometimes it is about the name of Jesus. But what's interesting for somebody who loves like, like trucks or like loves college football is that they love to talk about it. And the more 
that they talk about trucks or college football, the more they love it. And the more that they love it, the more they talk about it. And the more they talk about it, the more that they love it. And so there's this back and forth that the desire and the love for it builds as you talk more about it. Why? Because it's a supernatural principle. Because speech precedes reality. So the more that I talk about something, the more that my heart will be drawn to that thing. And so I'd encourage you to go and find someone to talk about it with. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? That is a great question, Amos. Catch what it's saying here. There's no way to move forward without actually talking about it, either with Jesus or with those in your life. Why? Because you never talked about the direction you're going. So if you don't ever actually talk about it, you can't start to move in that direction. So grab somebody and say, can we just talk about this whole like rooted in Jesus thing? Like this flourishing life because like forgiveness and righteousness and favor and it's like blowing my mind. Can, can we just talk about it? And then a lot of people might honestly be like, no, I don't want to. And that's okay because there's people that do. And so you can find those people and you can grab a hold of them and you can start to walk in that same direction. I believe by faith there are people here in the Valley Creek family that you can talk about the things of Jesus with confidently. Talk about what he's doing in your life. In fact, that's why groups are great. Groups are a great place to make some friends and talk about what God is doing. He has people for you. People that want to move in that same direction. People that want to move forward on their journey with Jesus. You can talk with them. So church... Jesus has people for you to talk with. Will you talk with them? Yes. All right. Here we go. Number four. Take the next step. And I don't mean stepping as fast as you can out of the worship center at the end of service. Take that next step. It's direction, not intention, that determines the course of your life. Direction. You have to actually start walking it out, not just having the intention to do it. So take the next step. Here's what I see a lot, you guys. Honestly, if someone declines to take the next step, this is one of the most common things I see happen. Jesus will have something out here, a destiny, a desire, a hope that he has, his will for your life, what he wants for you. He sets up chances to take next steps to start to walk towards those things. And what we want is we want that thing, that destiny, that, that desire that we have in our heart, the thing that we're, is laid out there. But we don't necessarily always take the steps to start walking towards us. So what happens is we start to get frustrated that it's way out here and we're over here. And we'll say things like, well, well, God, why are you holding out on me? Why are you holding this thing from me? But in reality, God is not holding that from you or withholding it from you. He's holding it for you. You have to actually start walking out these steps to walk towards it. I see that all the time. But another thing that happens is people start to get frustrated with those that they're in relationship with in their life or with the church or with other people who are trying to speak to them because all they can see is this end game instead of the process of walking towards it. Does that make sense? So here's the next one I see. I see people that start walking but in the wrong direction. And so there's a path that God's laid out for them and they start walking down this other path. And this other path is like the creepy, scary movie path with the gnarly trees and the fog and like wolves howling in the distance, like don't go down there, don't walk down that path. And sometimes they'll start walking, they might even start running towards that. And you, and you see it and you're like, no, don't, don't do it. Because when they run and when they go down this path, they might fall over a tree root, something horrible might happen, and then they're like, God, why'd you do that to me? But God didn't do that to you. You did that to you. And so he invites you to take next steps for the life that he's called you to. 
And it breaks my heart every single time that I see people decline to take next steps. Now, the other side of the coin on that is people that say yes to Jesus. I've seen amazing things with people when they say yes to Jesus. I've seen people that have said yes by not moving their family out of state, out of town for that job move, not uprooting their kids, making the decision to lock in here where they're rooted and established. And in doing so, their job goes away, but then there's another amazing job with a shorter commute, with more money. I've seen that time and time again. I've seen lots of people who have said yes to Jesus in the next step of getting rid of an unhealthy relationship, only to find out that there's amazing relationships that God wants to bring into their life and encourage them with. I've seen people say yes to leading and to stepping into new seasons, only to find out that they could be surrounded with a bunch of like-minded people that want to do life with them. Amazing Amazing things happen when you say yes to Jesus. Amazing things happen when you take next steps. So what if you just responded in faith? Like in this year of getting rooted, what if you just responded in faith and believe that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him? And that if you say yes, amazing things will happen. I bet Jesus has revealed something to you in these last six weeks, even in this recent season. Step into it. Take that step. Take a chance. Here's the next question. Church, Jesus has a next step for you. Will you take it? All right, here's number five. Five simple steps on what to do after a great message series. Ask Jesus for help. And I don't just mean asking for help for that test you didn't study for, for the stop sign you just blew in front of the cop, or for the parking space you want in the target parking spot. Okay, ask Jesus for help. In Mark chapter 9, there is a desperate father whose son is, uh, he's got an evil spirit inside of him. The father's at the end of his ropes. He doesn't know what to do, but he knows that something's missing. He doesn't fully understand it. He just knows that something's missing inside of him. And so he asked Jesus for help. Mark 9, 24. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He asks Jesus for help. And many times I think it's our own pride that stops the move of God in our life. But a humble heart asks for help. A humble person is willing to humble themselves and say, okay, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus can work with that. In this year of getting rooted, Colossians 2, 6, and 7 is our verse. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up. What I want you to catch is there's an order to that verse. Jesus is Lord. So I look to him first, and I ask him for help, and I need him to guide me. If Jesus is Lord, it means that I'm not, and everything else and everyone else isn't. So you can look to him for help. Ask him what to do. What do I do about this situation? What do I do about this this thought process I've been having? Jesus, I need you to help me because a humble heart is willing to ask for help. Listen, I'll go first. Jesus, I need your help. I have not arrived as a a dad, as a father, as a friend, as, as somebody who ministers to people. I need you, Jesus. And then wait and see what happens. Church, Jesus wants you to ask him for help. Will you do it? Yes. All right, believe it by faith. Let me close it up with this. What's the difference between someone he, somebody who actually changes and somebody who always stays the same? Well, when I first asked that question, there's a problem with the question. You see, in the spiritual realm, it's actually impossible to always stay the same. There is no status quo. There is no neutral. You're only flowing in the river of God or are you being drugged down by the current of this world? 
You see, in the Mark 7 passage, when it says a wise man builds his house or when it says the house crashes down, both of those words in the Greek have the connotation of continuous movement. That is, the house is always being built up or it's actively crashing down. Kind of like a tree is either flourishing with deeper growing roots or it's withering. There is no stagnation. Choosing to not change is a choice in and of itself. It just may not be the choice that you want to put into play. You see, a wise man builds his house. Where is the house of God? I'll give you a clue. It's not any of our buildings. It's not any of the rooms that you're sitting in. Where's the house of God? It's here. So a wise man builds his house. All of me. All of my life. So what that's saying is if I'll build on Jesus, Jesus will build my life. So we can make a choice to build on Jesus, a life rooted into solid ground. And at the end of all of that, if you heard all that and you're like, nah, it's okay. If you feel that way a little bit in your heart, then here's what I'd ask you to do. Think about flipping the question from, What are you going to do with what Jesus has said to this question? What did Jesus do with what the Father said? Because you see, somewhere in ages past, before time, God said, yeah, there's going to be an issue. I could see it coming. I need someone to go and bring back my lost children. I need somebody to go and get them. So he looked around heaven and he tried to figure out, okay, who, who's going to be the one who will leave here, perfection, go down there into a distressed situation and go and retrieve the lost ones? This is what Jesus says in John six thirty eight: For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So really the question is, what did Jesus do with what the Father said? Because it was his direction not just his intention, that changed the course of our lives. I need you to catch that. It was Jesus' direction. He actually started moving from there towards us. and changed everything. You know the rest of the story, don't you? He made that choice. His choice was rooted in love. He chose me, He chose you. He chose to get us, to redeem us, to save us. What are you going to do with what Jesus has said? What did Jesus do with what the Father said? And if you can let that sink into your heart, that might give you the desire and the passion and the motivation to move forward. And by the way, you can do it. We're a church of next steppers. You can do it. You can move forward. Be the person that actually puts it into practice so that you can have a life that's built up on a firm foundation, rooted and established in Jesus Christ. You can do it. It's going to be a great season ahead. And let's pray. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this season and thanks for your movement and the Valley Creek family and what you've done among us and and, and the the life change that we've seen. 
Thank you for amazing revelation during the Flourishing Life series. Uh, we want to hear you and not just hear you, we want to listen to you and we want to lean in to what you want to speak to us. I just encourage everybody in this room, this is a, a phrase you're going to hear a lot at Valley Creek Church. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because he's speaking. The question is never, is God speaking? It's always, are we listening? Sometimes it starts as an inclination. Sometimes it, it's a, kind of feels way down in your gut and you're thinking, is that it? Is that, am I supposed to do that? That's, of course, we're doing stuff like talking about it with people, processing it with Scripture, processing it with those around you. That's how the Lord's going to speak to you. So what is the Lord, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Lord Jesus, we don't want to just be hearers of the Word. We want to be doers of it. And we want to actually walk forward and move forward. We believe there is life. We believe there is more. We believe there is hope as we move forward on a journey with you. We want to grow. We want to embrace the change you have for us. We want to live a life flourishing, deeply rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Will you help us do it, Lord? Will you help every single person in the Valley Creek family walk into the very next thing you have? Walk into the new that you're inviting us to. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the season. We don't take it for granted. We see you at work, and we're thankful for it, and we love you. In your precious name, amen.